Lord, saints. Praise the Lord. That ain't everybody. The Lord has been too good for us to come in here and be quiet on praise the Lord. Praise the Lord again. Praise the Lord again. I don't hear my kids. Praise the Lord. I can't hear you. Praise the Lord. I know he didn't did for y'all. Y'all ate all week long. You look full. Huh? You look healthy. Your blood pressure intact. Your temperature intact. Talk about him. Praise the Lord, saints. <laughs> now I will have your announcements for this morning. Giving honor to God, who's the head of all our lives and the author and the finisher of our faith. To the minister on the roster, Alex Shipman. To each of you, my father's children, these are your announcements. Thanks for being willing to read the announcements here. They are. Welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. Uh, scanning the QR code located on the front of your worship guide allows you to, to connect to all online information about our church. The giving of tithes and offering along with our social media platform all in one place. Guests, please click on the menu items for the first time guests. At the Village Church, we believe that giving of tithes and offering is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and to the mission of the church online, or you can mail a check to 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Or, the, <clears throat> or after service, you may drop your offering off in a designated area in the back of the church sanctuary in that nice pretty box in the back. Today, after worship, 10.50 a.m., Sunday's equipping class for all ages will, be, will commence. This week, Thursday, April the 6th, 7 a.m., Shipman Men's Group at Just Loves Coffee. Pastor loves Just Love Coffee. I mean, I'm going to give him a gift card from Just Love Coffee. He won't meet with me unless we at Just Loves Coffee. Sound like an ad, doesn't it? They should pay me a check for that commercial. But uh, at 5 p.m., Goodson's Men's Group in the church house. Uh, on, that's on Thursday, April 6th. Amen. Next Sunday, April 9th, 9.30 a.m., worship service with communion. No Sunday equipping classes will be had. Save the date. These are your announcements for this week. Praise the Lord. Let's govern ourselves accordingly. Amen. Morning. Hear these words from Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Amen. Oh, come let us 
to worship. It's taken from John chapter 12, verse, uh, verses 12 and 13. Please join with me where it notes people and all. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Amen.
stand and lift up our hands. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down. We bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He. We stand and lift. We stand and lift up our hands. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down. We bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Holy is the Lord. God Almighty. The earth is filled with Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. our hands for the joy for the joy of the lord is our strength we bow down we bow down and worship him now how great how awesome is he we stand and lift up our hands we stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the lord is our strength we bow down we bow down Worship Him now. How great, how awesome. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. God Almighty. The earth is filled with glory. Holy is the Lord. God Almighty. The earth is filled. Holy is the Lord. Holy
the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Can we give him a hallelujah this morning? A thank you, Jesus. A holy, 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 holy this morning. He is good and his mercies endure forever. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you so much. Good morning, church. How you guys doing today? Man, you guys looking good out there, I must say. Yeah, you are. And I just want to say, I know everybody's just wondering. I mean, if I was out there, I'd be thinking the same thing. Can real men really wear peach? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. And I see we have a group of guys there, and I asked them this morning. It was funny. I said, so where are you guys from? And the guys say, Bowling Green. I'm like, is that in the U.S.? <laughs> and the other guy said, yeah, we're from Kentucky. He left that part out. So welcome, guys. Welcome. Uh, I heard something funny this weekend. Uh, basically, it was this airplane that was uh, about to crash, and there were four passengers on the plane, and there were only three uh, parachutes. So the first guy walked up, and he said, look, I'm one of the leading heart surgeons, and I'm going to take a parachute because my patients need me, and he jumped out the plane. Then the second passenger walked up, and he said, hey, I am a rocket scientist. I am one of the smartest people in the world. So he took a parachute, and he jumped out the plane. So there were two people left, the Pope and a 10-year-old Boy Scout. The Pope said to the Boy Scout, he like, look, I've lived my life. I'm old and frail. I'll let you have the uh, last parachute. And the Boy Scout said, wait a minute. There are actually two parachutes left. You see, the smartest man in the world, he jumped out the plane with my backpack. <laughs> So <laughs> that just goes to show that we don't all make the right decisions all the time. So just thank God that he is so sovereign that he's over our good decisions and our bad decisions. And it just reminds me of the thing that said all things works out for the good of those who love him. So in case we make a bad decision or a good decision, God is over it all. So if you're thinking about doing something, just trust in him and know that he is over everything. So we're going to go ahead and uh, pray for a second and just thanking God that he is over all of us. So dear Heavenly Father, just want to just want to give you a prayer of praise, thanking you for just being over all our circumstances. Nothing is out of your control. We are just... Uh, just people that you love and are here to uh, work for you and to love as you loved us. So we just thank you and praise you for everything that you continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Our confession of faith comes from the Heidelberg Catechism. And um, I'll read the question and you guys read the answer for me, please. What kind of mediator and redeemer must we seek? One who is true and righteous man, and yet more powerful than all creatures that is, one who is also true God. All right, if you don't, don't mind, please stand for the reading of his word. And we'll be reading from Matthew uh, chapter 15, verses 5 through 15. And I'll be reading from the ESV. These 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons you receive without paying, uh, give without pay. You have received without pay, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or staff for your laborers deserve his food. And whatever towns or villages you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if, you, if anyone <coughs> will, will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave the house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. This is the word of the Lord, our God. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. Before we have our corporate um, reciting of the Lord's Prayer, I want us to spend uh, some time in lament uh, over the things that's been happening in our country, the, the shootings in Nashville, the shootings in Huntsville, the tornadoes in the Midwest and the South. I think sometimes we, as a, the Western church, we lose the we don't really see lament as a form of worship, and it is. And so let's spend a few moments silently reflecting, lamenting over the things that have happened this week, and then we will close that time by reciting the Lord's Prayer together um, as a body of Christ. So let us go to the Lord now, silently.
please join me as we recite the Lord's Prayer in unison. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive in our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. One um, university professor writes, Believers are not passive bystanders waiting for safe passage to eternal mansions. All who have been rescued have been enlisted as ambassadors to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. Christians are co-laborers, co-proclaimers, co-participants, partners in the mission of God, even as they rest in the promises of what would be in the future. That's an amen statement, saints. So if you have your Bible or Bible out, please open it to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to continue working through verses 5 through 15, and I was hoping to finish that today. But we'll be back there again next week. So the sermon title is Sent Out by Jesus Part 2. Sent Out by Jesus Part 2. If you, was, if you weren't here last week, so I encourage you to go back and listen to Sent Out by Jesus Part 1. The big idea here is the same as last week's sermon. And it's this. Resurrection advocates are sent out by Jesus to continue his mission to the world. Resurrection advocates are sent out by Jesus to continue his mission to the world. Let us go to the Lord again and ask the Holy Spirit to bless the preaching of the word. Spirit, if you, we just need you to move. I don't have to say all these fancy words and be poetic, I can just say, Spirit, help our unbelief. Help our unbelief. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Jesus commissions all believers to be resurrection advocates, and then he sends them out to walk in his missional footprints for his, for his glory. And if you have saving faith in Jesus, if you have made a profession of faith and if you have surrendered your life to him, where you trust and depend upon him alone for salvation, then he commissions you and he sends you out to be a resurrection advocate for his glory. Just like he does the original 12 disciples here in, in Matthew chapter 10. He commissions the 12. He, he sends out the 12. But he, he gives them clear instructions before sending them out. You see, the 12 are not to walk any way they want to walk when it comes to this mission. They're not to make it up as they go. Jesus has a plan, and Jesus has expectations. He says, if, if verse 5 says, the 12, these 12 Jesus sends out, sends out instructing them. 
He instructs them. So what are these instructions, Pastor? I gave two of these instructions last week. The first one is he instructs them to, to go out in pairs as they administer missional partners and companions. Second, he, he instructs them to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel as a temporary restriction. And then third, which we're going to talk about today, he, he instructs the twelve to give Israel the gospel of the kingdom. He instructs them to give Israel the gospel of the kingdom. And this kingdom isn't our kingdom. It's God's kingdom. And it's not America's, just in case you were in confusion there. This is all about his sovereign rule and reign over all creation. You see, Jesus' first coming, it, bring, it begins the fulfillment of God's promise to establish his kingdom with Jesus sitting on the throne. There's only one king in this kingdom, and he does not share his power. And that's Jesus. And it's Jesus. And now these 12 disciples, they are sent out to give gospel the gospel of the kingdom to the Jewish people. So what does that even mean, Pastor Alex? It means they are to preach gospel truth and they are to provide gospel deeds. Gospel truth, gospel deeds are essential parts of the mission for Dewey believers. The disciples are to preach that the kingdom is at hand. That means the kingdom is near. The kingdom is present because Jesus is present with them as Emmanuel. Amen, Pastor. God with them in the flesh. If Jesus wasn't present, then the kingdom wouldn't be near. Okay? The kingdom would not be near. And they are to also perform healings and exorcisms. That's casting out demons. One Christian scholar says, one of the essential ways the kingdom is to be preached by the disciples is by healings and exorcisms. And he's right here. For kingdom truth and kingdom deeds always go together. Please know that. Together. Not either or. It's both and. Kingdom truth, kingdom deeds, together. Side by side. Look at how Jesus instructs them in, in, in the 12 and verses 7 and 8. He says, and, and proclaim as you all go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, and cast out demons. The twelve are instructed to minister to people holistically. Holistically. Minister to the whole person, not parts and pieces of a person. They're to minister to the spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional needs of people, just like Jesus does. And now he sends them out to do the same, to walk in his missional footprints, to follow his clear instructions and expectations. But do we believe that? When we say preach the gospel to people, it's more than just a message. You should also be willing to meet needs. Should be already to meet the needs of broken people along with the truth of the gospel. It goes hand in hand. 
what does this third instruction mean for us as a, as a local church and, and for us as individual Christians? It means we are sent out by Jesus into our sphere influences and our communities to proclaim the real, authentic Jesus Christ. Not that Jesus created in our own image. Not that Americanized Jesus or Westernized Jesus. The real, authentic Jesus of the Bible. We present to people a Jesus who cares about them holistically. A Jesus who cares about their spiritual and their physical and their mental and their emotional well-being. A Jesus who cares about truth and justice. A Jesus who experiences injustice and betrayal and abandonment, rejection and hate. He experienced it all. All of it. We present to them a Jesus who laments the school shooting that took place at Covenant School in Nashville. A Jesus who weeps with the families of the Huntsville police officer who was killed this week and the ones that were shot. A Jesus who comforts those who lost loved ones and homes and property in the tornadoes that, that just devastated the Midwest and parts of the South. That's the Jesus we present, who cares about real pain. We present to them a Jesus who cares about life from the womb to the grave. He's not just pro-birth. He's pro-life. A Jesus who has compassion and empathy for them. TBC saying, we present to people a Jesus who cares enough to leave the glory of heaven in order to enter this broken world. I said this once before. Jesus is the only friend person who has friends in low places. And we're the ones in low places. He's the only one who can say that, and it's true. A Jesus who enters into our suffering, into our pain, that's the Jesus we give people. A Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. A Jesus who dies for our sins. A Jesus who defeats sin and death through his cross and through his resurrection. A Jesus who is also coming back again. A Jesus who can transform sinners into saints, orphans into sons and daughters, and enemies into friends. That's the Jesus we present. A Jesus who can reconcile them back to a holy God. We present to people a Jesus who is making all things new. And that's cosmic redemption. It's not just about dying and going to heaven. He's making all things new. For our good and for his glory. But do we believe it? And do we share this with other people? As resurrection advocates, we give people the real authentic Jesus as we enter into their lives. Please see that the disciples aren't being sent out by Jesus to preach the kingdom to Israel from a distance. They ain't doing it from a distance. It's more than a gospel track. It's more than quoting scripture on social media. It's more than a podcast and a blog post. TVC Saints, this is up close and personal. This is connectional and it's relational. It's being physically present with people. Jesus says to the 12, proclaim as y'all go. 
Where are they going? Where are they going? They're going to towns and villages. And who are they going to? They're going to Jewish people. They're going to real people, people with real names, people with real gifts, people with real lives, people with real issues. And this leads us to Jesus' fourth instruction to the disciples. He instructs them to personally connect with people. Amen, Pastor. Look at verse 11. Whenever you, in whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. The 12 are to, the 12 are to secure lodging with the right person or household whenever they enter a new town. The Greek verb that's translated to find means they are to seek out carefully. He tells them they need to search closely and thoroughly for the right person. They need to be like a fine-tooth comb. And so this is going to require personal inquiry. They're going to have to ask probing questions. The disciples will have to engage in conversations in order to find a person who was worthy and who would give them lodging. At this point, all the extroverted disciples are excited. They're excited. Yes, I mean, we get to talk and mingle with people. Best mission trip ever. But the introverts, the introvert disciples are like, Jesus, no. You mean we got to talk to people? You mean I got to stay at a stranger's house? Deep sigh. Well, can you at least go ahead and tell us who the worthy person is? You know, you already know it would cut out a step and make things easier for us. Not going to happen. Remember, he sends them out in pairs. Hopefully, as a, there's an introvert and an extrovert paired together. Each prayer will have to personally connect with people by engaging the small talk, asking questions, being active listeners, maybe even sharing a meal. And likewise, we're to follow Jesus' instructions to personally connect with people in our communities and in our, sphere of, in our spheres of influence. Speak to our neighbors, our coworkers our classmates, our teammates. Ask about their day, their life, their dreams. Take an interest in what interests them. You, some of you may need to finally accept the invitation to lunch when a group of people go out. Stop saying no. Have small talk with people at the gym, at the grocery store, the restaurant. It doesn't take much to be a welcoming person to other people. You just, we just have to slow down. Put our individualism in time out for one moment. Put our busyness and our schedules on hold for a moment. TVC Saints, people cannot be on the peripheral vision of our life. Okay? They have to be in the center vision directly in front of us. It's hard connecting with people if we don't even see them. And most of us are so busy that we don't even see people that we come in contact with throughout the day because we've got to get things done. Slow down. One mental health consultant says, real connection is more than just talking to other people or sharing interests. After all, we can talk over an hour with someone about sports and politics, even if secretly we can't stand them. Connecting with others is a sense of being open and available to another person, even as you feel they are open and available to you. Other ingredients of human connection are empathy and compassion. We feel goodwill to the person we are connecting with. These six pairs of disciples are to be open and available 
to the people in the towns and the villages they enter. They have to see people if they're going to connect with them personally. And these personal connections are going to hopefully help them find a worthy person who will lodge them while they're in that town. Remember, he says, whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy, and you stay there until you depart. Now, what does it mean to be a worthy person? What does it mean to be a worthy person? In the Greek, the term translated worthy is an adjective that describes the person. It's not the person's accommodation or the person's social status or material possessions. It doesn't, it doesn't describe the condition of the person's home, nor does it talk about how the food, the food taste is going to be served. Jesus is not instructing the twelve, find the person with the biggest house and the best food, and you stay there. He's not, he doesn't instruct them to find out who's the most popular, the most famous, who has the most connections in the, in the town and village. Stay there. No. Worthiness refers to those who will welcome the disciples in their message. It refers to a person with a heart of hospitality. The Good News Bible translation says, look for someone who is willing to welcome you. Hospitality is being stressed by Jesus here. In 2017, what nation do you think had the highest ranking of kindness to strangers? What nation? This ranking was put out by Charities A Foundation World Giving Index. That's who put this ranking out. So what do y'all think? What nation had the highest ranking of kindness to strangers? Keep it coming. This is congregation participation time. It's a Middle Eastern country. Iraq. You see, Eastern cultures and traditions have a rich history of hospitality and kindness to strangers. Something that the West knows nothing of sometimes. Uh, a Syrian chef in Knoxville, Tennessee, says, if you are invited by even a very poor family, they will spend all their money and all their time to prepare the most labor-intensive foods for you, making you feel welcome makes them feel proud. It's very different and strange to, for our Western individualistic culture, culture, but it's not for the 12. The 12, they're in a culture that, that has a heart for hospitality. And now, now there's an application here for us as resurrection advocates. It's the opposite of what he and Jesus instructed the 12 to do whenever they enter a town. For majority of us here, we don't need lodging in order to be on mission for Jesus. We need to be worthy people. We need to be people who makes others feel welcome. We need to be people with hearts of hospitality. As a church, we all can walk in Jesus' mission of footprints by embracing an Eastern view of hospitality. We can connect with people by inviting them into our homes for a meal. Welcoming people should be something that makes us feel proud as a church. In the book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, the author says, those who live out radically ordinary hospitality see their homes 
not as theirs at all, but as God's gift to use for the furtherance of his kingdom. They open doors. They seek out the underprivileged. They know the gospel comes with a house key. Our homes, the places where we live, can be used for the kingdom. And I must admit, I need to do better with that. When I get home, I just want to relax. Put on that jazz record and relax. But we can't practice hospitality as resurrection advocates. In America, when someone says to you, hey, how are you? What does that question usually mean? Is the person really fishing for deep details about your life? Are they, are they want to know about your whole weekend? This question is basically a common American greeting. An article on, the, on MIT's International Student Office webpage says, if you're still wondering what all this means, the question, how are you, just simply means hello. It's meant as a greeting. There's no expectation for an answer. In fact, it would be odd if in, someone would say anything more than just good or fine. Don't take it personal. The person who really wants to know how you're doing will still greet you the same way, but they will also follow up with, so how are you doing? And actually pause for an answer. Every culture and subculture has common greetings. And the same is true with the culture that the disciples live in. They have common Jewish greetings. And Jesus tells the disciples, to use one of those greetings as they enter into a home of a potential worthy host. Look at verse 12. Jesus says, as you enter the house, greet it. Greet it. Greet your potential host. Recognize the people that are in the home. And this greeting is shalom leka, which means peace be to you. Peace be to you. As the disciples enter a home, they're to say to those sitting there, peace be to y'all. And this leads to the fifth instruction that Jesus gives the disciples. He instructs them to confer peace upon the households that welcome them. Look at verses 12 through 14. Jesus says, as you enter the, uh, the house, greet it. And if, those, if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone would not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave the house or town. So now what in the world does Jesus mean by peace in verse 13? Make it make sense, Pastor. Make it plain, please. Traditionally, Christian scholars have interpreted peace here in several ways. One, it's interpreted as a, just a customary Jewish greeting. It could be a blessing of wholeness. And it can be a message of salvation. Based on my reading and study this week, I believe the peace in verse 13 is a blessing of wholeness and a message of salvation to worthy households. And worthy households are those who will receive the disciples and their message of the kingdom. If the people in the homes will receive and listen to the gospel of the kingdom, then peace will actually come upon the home. A Christian scholar says the disciples greeting a peace like that of the Old Testament prophets possesses a power of accomplishing what it expresses. Your peace denotes and affects well-being, wholeness, and salvations 
that are all blessings of the kingdom of heaven. Amen, Pastor. But if the household rejects the disciples and their message, then that peace will not come upon it. Another commentator says this peace is a benediction and a blessing which cannot ultimately be separated from the deeper sense of well-being associated with the gospel and its reception. The peace that the disciples can bestow is not available where the gospel and its messengers are rejected. TVC Saints, the disciples are being are going to be living out the words of Isaiah 52, 7, whenever they enter a town. And Isaiah in those verses says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. That's what the disciples have been sent out to do. But everyone in these towns and villages will not call the feet of the disciples beautiful. Okay? Amen, Pastor. Everyone will not receive their message as good news and tidings of great joy. Everyone will not welcome their presence. Everyone will not want to hear about the peace and the gospel of the kingdom. Some people in these towns and villages will reject them and their message. And in verse 15, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, it would be more bearable in the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. That strong and emphatic words by Jesus. Why do you think he is so blunt and to the point with these words of judgment? It's because when people reject the disciples, the people are actually rejecting him. Okay? When people reject the disciples and their message, they're really rejecting Jesus and his ministry. Luke 13, in, Luke, in Luke chapter 10, verse 16, when Jesus sends out the 72, he says to the 72, The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. As resurrection advocates, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us accept the reality that we will experience rejection no matter how nice and loving we are to others. We're going to experience it. Everyone in your sphere of influence is not going to want to hear you talk about Jesus. They're not going to want to hear you share about the finished work of Christ and, and, and his death for them on the cross. They're going to want to hear you talk about how good Easter is. They're just not. And we can't take that rejection personally. We're not, hear this, some of you need to hear this, some of you may need to write this down. You are not responsible for a person's rejection or reception of the gospel. You are not responsible for a person's rejection or reception of the gospel. That's not your lane. That is above your security clearance. That is the Spirit's job. And you ain't ever going to be on his level. We, we can't carry that burden. What should we do when someone rejects us and the gospel of Jesus? We do what Jesus instructs the 12 to do whenever they experience rejection. He doesn't instruct them to take it personal. He doesn't instruct them 
to continue to debate them on social media. He doesn't instruct them to continue to have all these long debates and over and over and over and over and over. No, he says, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that town or house. This is a symbolic indication that the 12 have done all they could do. And they can carry and they can carry on and move forward to another town. That's what he's saying. This applies to us today. Our responsibility is to just share the good news of the gospel. It's not to convert people. It's not to convert people. That's not our lane. That's not our lane. In some situations, we will have to shake the dust off our feet when it comes to presenting the gospel to the people in our life. It could be family. It could be your kids. It could be your co-workers. It could be long, long friendships. We can walk away with a clear conscience knowing you have been the hands and feet of Jesus to that person. You have been a faithful resurrection advocate. You do not have to live in shame and guilt because you're not the Holy Spirit. And you can't be people's Holy Spirit either. That's not your lane. It's not your lane. It's not my lane. Look at the table before you. This meal before you. I make my way down here. This meal is a reminder that Jesus himself experienced real rejection. Did you know that? Rejection from his own people. And John 1.11 says Jesus came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. Rejection. Rejection from his father on the cross. Isaiah 53 verses 4 through 6 says, We esteem him stricken by God, afflicted, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. One hymn says, How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of steering loss. The father turns his face away as wounds that marred the chosen one brings many sons to glory. This meal, beloved of God, is a reminder that Jesus' rejection is your path to acceptance before the father. Because he was rejected, you never will be. Because he was rejected, you are accepted. That's what this meal is a reminder of. And if you are a follower of Christ, if you have a saving faith in him today, if he is your Lord and Savior, then you are welcome to partake of this meal with us today. And if you're here you don't know Christ, I, I thank you for being here. And if you have questions about what it means to have saving faith in Christ. Please see me, one of the elders, or one of the women shepherds, and we will talk with you about what that means. Adults, we ask that the kids with you abstain from the elements until they have been invited to the Lord's table by the church that you are a member of. TVC kids, can I have the attention of all the TVC little ones? Give Pastor Alex your attention for a moment. But first, let me wipe the sweat off my brow. All right. 
as your pastor, I want you to know that this meal is a reminder that Jesus loves you. It's a reminder that he really did die on the cross for all your sins. And as your pastor, it is my prayer that each and every one of you little ones will come to saving faith in Christ. Then you will be able to partake of this meal with your church family. And as I say each time, if you have questions about Jesus, and if you have questions about the Lord's Supper, I'm your pastor too. Get your mom and dad to call me up, and we can talk on the phone about it. We can meet at Just Love, and I buy you a, a, a hot chocolate, and we can talk there. So just know, I'm your pastor too. So before I I'll call the elders forward, let us bless, ask the Holy Spirit to bless the Lord's Supper. Holy Spirit, you know what we're all dealing with as beloveds. You know the stresses that we're under. You know the grief that many of us are feeling. You see it. You're not, you know, indifferent to the sufferings of our world. You are personally involved. And as your people, sometimes life beats us up. Sometimes it's hard believing we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Sometimes we just want to just go on in our rock and hide. Sometimes we get burned out. Sometimes we just want to give up. Sometimes we just get parents are tired of parenting. Kids are tired of being kids. We just, it's just hard, Lord. And so my prayer is that you will use this meal to provide spiritual nourishment to Christ's people. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took a hot dog bun. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, saying to his disciples, take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm sorry, I, I cried jokes. You just got to deal with it. If we have prepackaged uh, elements, or if you prefer a prepackaged one, let the elders know as they come through.
beloved sons and daughters of a good God, this is Christ's body broken for all of you. Eat of it, all of you. In the same manner, Jesus also took the cup. Having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Christ's blood shed for all your sins, past, present, and future. Grant from it all of you. Holy Spirit, as we leave this place today, I pray again that you will provide for each of us the spiritual nourishment that we need to go back out and to engage, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to love God with all of our heart and soul. Move and in us in mighty and deep ways. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Saints, will y'all please stand as we close our service.
Please greet one another, thanks. 